1: sin city this is behind the bots the podcast that brings you the early bird buffet coupons and the stories of the builders behind battle bots i'm chris i'm luke
2: i'm Lindsay. and i'm kyle
1: thank you very much and today on the podcast our interview with battle bots co-creator greg munson
3: we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of robots around the world if you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Castbox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend we really appreciate your support. It's been so long since I said that, it feels good.
0: Before we get to the show, I have an announcement. We are currently looking to add a fifth member to the pod. We're looking for a volunteer producer to help us edit the podcast every week plus other ideas you might have to improve the show. If you're interested, reach out to us on Facebook. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have six news items for you today. First up, tickets to the live taping of Season 6 of BattleBots went on sale last week to BattleBot supporters on Facebook and will open up to the general public on Friday. The show will film from Monday, August 23rd to Saturday, August 4th at Caesars Entertainment Studios in Las Vegas. If you want to get early access to tickets, sign up to become a BattleBot supporter on Facebook. Greg Munson broke a fair amount of news in his interview with us, notably that BattleBots is searching for a permanent home in Las Vegas with the goal of potentially holding qualifying events or international tapings of the show in the future. It was still a bit early for Greg to talk about the lineup of accepted bots, but he did reveal that the Australian crocodile-themed heavyweight death roll will sit out this season, while Hal Rucker's tough little lifter bot, Duck, is in. A total of 11 international teams have been accepted out of 65 to 68 total teams. Lots of other interesting news in this interview, which is delightful, so stay tuned. It's coming in like literally five minutes. On over to Brazil, where the team behind the beloved drum spinner Minotaur is raising $15,000 on GoFundMe to go to BattleBots. The team writes, quote, BattleBots is the most renowned combat robot competition in the world, coveted by all of those involved in the sport and, most of all, by the RioBots team that dreams of taking the winning title home. The team has raised a little over $4,800 so far. Look for a link to the fundraiser in this week's show notes. The team behind the beefy shell spinner Gigabyte plans to reveal a secret second robot later today. The team recently gave Zach Lytle and Diana Tarlson from Scorpios a sneak peek at this second robot for the couple's YouTube channel. If you're listening to this episode on Wednesday, July 21st, Zach and Diana will reveal the new robot on YouTube later today. Speaking of secret second robots, Whiplash teammate Jason Vasquez is bringing a brand new robot to the competition this year called Defender. Jason is an engineering student and has been building and driving combat robots with his brother and his dad since he was a kid. Very little is known about Defender, but watch the team's Facebook page for future reveals. On over to the wonderful world of Hexbugs, which last week leaked that the next two BattleBots Hexbugs to hit store shelves will be Whiplash and Sawblaze. The big new feature this year, rechargeable batteries. The newest set is apparently already in production, with BattleBots hoping to get a small shipment of toys in time for the live event next month. And finally, a number of top BattleBots builders and captains will be competing this weekend at Norwalk Havoc, which will split into a two-day event streamed live over YouTube. I want to highlight a couple of interesting stories to follow this weekend if you do uh, in fact tune in. First up, Malice teammate David Rush will be traveling from California to compete with Animus, a three-pound robot that inspired Malice's design. Animus features a chunky horizontal bar that takes up a third of the robot's total weight. Paint Train Captain Evan Arias is breaking out of the beetle weights and will compete with a brand new thirty-pound full combat egg beater called Spicy. Very stoked to see that! And finally, for fans of Soblight's Captain Jameson Go, he'll be competing with his super successful thirty-pounder Megatron, which has won multiple first place titles at Motorama. Chris, Lindsay, Kyle, and I will all be working on the broadcasting team this weekend, so tune in on Saturday and Sunday and say hi on the live stream. Look for a link in this week's show notes or search for Norwalk Havoc on YouTube. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with BattleBots co-creator Greg Munson. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, BattleBots co-creator Greg Munson. Last week, BattleBots revealed that the competition will return this year, and will film in front of a live audience from August 23rd to September 4th in Las Vegas. Tickets are currently on sale for BattleBots supporters, and will open up to the general public later this week. We're looking forward to getting an early preview of the coming season, so welcome back to the show, Greg.
4: Hi Luke, how's it going? Nice to see you.
0: Yeah, really good to see you too. Um, I'm so glad we're able to connect and uh, learn more about season six. We're so excited about uh, about the coming season, and we're looking forward to uh, to going to the live taping next month in uh, in Vegas. I'd love to start with the uh, the fan experience in Las Vegas. How does the new venue in Las Vegas compare to the previous venue in Long Beach?
4: Well, so a couple things there. Obviously, it's not as big. There's no way to find a building as big as that Long Beach building was. That was a complete and utter unicorn, having two giant aircraft building hangars side by side connected in the middle. So you could have the venue with the battle box on one side and a ginormous like pit on the other. There's just You can't find it. We searched high and low when we found out that we couldn't get Long Beach for Season 6, and actually any time into the future because the building had been sold, unfortunately. So that is the end of an era there. So we started looking around and, you know, high and low to find a building as big. And you just can't. So we had to default back to kind of what normal TV productions do. And that's find a very, very large studio. And we found one in Vegas. It's the Caesars Entertainment Studio. We actually found it on a whim. Uh, John Remar, the ref, and Trey and I were driving through Vegas. And we were like, what's that building there? And we uh, pulled over, there's a giant guard gate, and we knocked on it, and some security guard came out and we said, hey, can we see this? We're BattleBots. This seems like a really great building. And he uh, made a phone call. He said, I know your show, I love your show. And he made a phone call, and suddenly some Caesars executive comes out and goes, hi, guys, sure, I'll show you the place. Keys out of the pocket, opens the door, and boom. We're in this giant. Ginorm- it's really big. We're in this big studio, um, air conditioning, you know climate control, completely flat floor, not a lot of poles that get in the way of the audience bleachers and the battle box arena. And it was perfect, it was great. Um, and we're like, man, this is a great place to uh to do the show. So, when we lost the Long Beach building, the first thing we said to our production company, Whale Rock, was, hey guys, why don't we check out this place in Vegas? Because it was we were thinking about doing it in Santa Monica, and I sent out some cryptic pictures on uh, social media showing the various <laughs> places we were thinking. Doing it, we even thought of doing it at the Anaheim Duck Arena, you know, in Anaheim Mm. where the Ducks play hockey. Yeah, Uh, but everything had you know pluses and minuses, pros and cons, and when we weighed everything and and did the delta for all the costing, uh, Vegas came out the winner, and so we uh, decided to do it there. the The one issue, which is probably a follow up question you guys are wondering about, is you know, is the pit. You know, the, the studio itself is fantastic for an audience and fantastic for the arena and has enough extra room for robots to queue up behind the scenes and, you know, hair and makeup for Chris and Kenny and a control room for Aaron and Chris and all those guys to actually create the TV show. Um, but it doesn't have enough room for the pit. So in enter Darcy, who's the pit king, uh, who's the tent king of Las Vegas, who's actually a, a friend of Trey's family. And Darcy is the guy who knows all of the of of the state of the art uh, tenting requirements, and he has the stuff to do it, and he knows all about the permitting and yada yada yada. So we hooked up with Darcy, and we're going to get the mother of all tents for the pit, which will be just adjacent to the building in the parking lot um, in Valleys, which is you know basically we're behind Valleys is where the studio is. So the wow. the uh, tent pit will have air conditioning. And it'll have a floor. It actually will be a floor. It won't be the hot asphalt. It'll be a floor that you can drive a forklift on. And it's amazing. They're actually building it right now. So that's what, that'll be the pit this season.
1: And one other important question. If, 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 we're, if we're filming in uh, Las Vegas, uh, we've discussed the pit. We've talked about the, the, the seating. Will there be a buffet?
4: Yes. It'll have shrimp, uh, crawdads. It'll have those little mini pizzas um, it has it has a sushi section. Um, it's got all that good stuff that you expect from Vegas, especially the shrimp cocktail. it will mm. have Orange Crush and Slice will be the only soft drink served because they go along with the battle Bots. Um No, absolutely not. There's going to be no buffet. <laughs> we don't have the budget for that.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, the so I, I know that Caesars Entertainment, it's a 48,000 square feet. Like, is the pit tent going to be roughly the same size? I mean, can you tell me about this kind of mother of all tents?
4: Uh, It's bigger, actually, I believe. Um, I don't know the exact dimensions, but it is bigger. And it's enough space to hold 68 robots, a machine shop, all the casting, safety, uh, COVID teams, uh, catering, uh, and basically all the stuff we need that we've ever needed in the pit. And still supply the builders with three pit tables per pit. Uh, station as opposed to one which was what we used to do back in seasons you know one through uh, basically basically every season except last season they only had one pit table Uh, now for covid we we gave them three and 20 feet worth of extra space and this season we can still give them that three and almost just as much as of a square foot footage footprint in that pit area so it's quite large
0: awesome Uh, I know that one of the most popular features from 2020 were the opera boxes for builders. Are those coming back this season? To be
4: determined. So, you know, we're, we, we're opening this, uh, this season up to ticket buyers again. Um, COVID is in a place now where we can um, sell tickets. Um, I should caveat that by saying, you know, the situation changes every day and, and the Delta variant is on the rise. So I really hope we don't have a situation where that changes, um, but um, so given that, right? We do have opera boxes in our plan. We just haven't decided: do we let the builders um, populate them, or do we let the audience populate them? Because the way they're they're currently situated is they're very close to the entrance ramps, where the builders would parade into the uh, into the arena and the driving platform in front of the battle box. And it might be cool to have fans, adoring fans with signs cheering on their favorite builders from those positions Um, or their potential competition. So we haven't figured out. It's a to be determined kind of thing. It's either going to be the fans or it's going to be the bot builders. We just have to figure that part
0: out. Cool. This year, uh, there are four ticket levels, general admission, premium seating, VIP, and super ultra mega VIP, uh, which is very intriguing. Uh, (laughs) So uh, one of the big things that you're adding this year are tours of the pits for VIP ticket holders. I would love to get a preview of, of what a pit tour would entail and why people should really shell out the extra cash and get a VIP ticket when they can.
4: Sure. So first off, there's very few of those. And we kept it small for, for a reason, because we kind of want to test what the experience is with a smaller group before we open it up, possibly in future seasons, to much larger groups. So it's sort of a test run. Uh, second thing is, you know, we never know what COVID's going to do the production. So uh, another reason for keeping it small. But what would happen is after each session, and you know, there's two sessions per day, is you would meet with a VIP coordinator who's like a docent. And that person would take you around not just the pit, but the whole facility and just give you a little anecdotal knowledge about what's going on. So you might go back to the hair and makeup zone. You might go back to uh, the control room. You'll see all the TV cameras and our director, uh, Ryan, will wave at you and Aaron and Chris can wave at you. And you'll see the goings on of how a TV show is actually made. And then you'll exit the uh, the venue and walk through the hot sun uh, to the pit area. And from there... Um, we haven't really figured exactly what the, what the trafficking will be, but we're imagining you would walk down the center thoroughfare of the pit and be able to see all of the bot builders working on their stuff and then exit out through another side and go see where the welding is going on and where the grinding is going on and where the test boxes are and then bring it back around uh, to the venue, and, and that would be the experience. Um, people should know it's not a meet-and-greet. The builder is going to be super busy getting ready um, for their next fight or for a fight that's coming up. And we have to get people through quickly because we have to start another session or it's time to go home if it's the evening session. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a meet-a-greet. It's not a stop and talk to Ray and get autographs and hang out for hours and take pictures. It's not that. First of all, we, you can't take pictures in the pit because that could reveal some serious spoilers for the TV show. We don't want that to happen. Um, but you will get to walk through the thoroughfare and see just what it all is and how crazy it is and how vast it is and what's going on there. You see the machine shop where people are fixing stuff. Um, you see the welding area where people are frantically welding, um, and stuff like that. So that is the experience.
0: That's amazing. I I feel like for super fans of the show, especially for kids, um, who love the show, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to walk through the pits and to see the, the big robots. Um, and uh really looking forward to yeah, totally talking agree. to the fans and, 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 you
4: know i should and i should say
0: this doesn't pre
4: pre the the vip tours doesn't preclude the builders as they l- usually like to do from coming outside after a session and, and just saying hi to the fans in general so that may still happen um, what the what the tour offers you beyond that is to actually walk through the physical locations where all this stuff all this crazy stuff happens
0: very good. I uh, So I know that we have about a million and a half questions from the fans. Um, so let's jump straight into them um, right. with a series of rapid fire questions from BattleBots fan Alexander okay. Archer. Um, so he just has a bunch of functional questions. So I'm sure we'll, we'll break some news here, possibly. Um, Okay, so he writes, the post on BattleBots' Facebook page says that all ticketed members of the live audience ages 12 and up have to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination or a negative test within 72 hours before being allowed into the arena. But what about the ticketed audience members who are 11 years old and under? They don't
4: have to show anything. They are not, currently they are not subject to any restrictions. So those kids can get in without any testing uh, proof or vaccination proof. And I should say um, that the reason we have to do that is because we're a TV shoot. So the rules are a little different for a live event. People have to remember that we're a live event and a television shoot. And on a television shoot, we have TV trade unions involved. We have IOTSI and the Screen Actors Guild and the Directors Guild, um, all of which have very, 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 very strict COVID requirements Um, To protect their people and provide a safe working environment. So that is the reason why those um, prove a vaccination or um, negative tests are are required for our particular show. And people should also know is these things can change. Um, They can get worse uh, or they could get better. So the situation on the ground in Vegas is changing all the time. You know, everyone's watching the Delta variant very carefully and the unions may Ease up on their protocols or they may clamp down on their protocols. So, everyone who's bought a ticket or is thinking about buying a ticket for BattleBots to so just realize that the situation is in flux and um, new information would come out via email and on our social media, of course, to to let people know if any other further restrictions are required.
1: Good.
0: Um, how many bots applied for the upcoming season and how many bots were selected to compete?
4: Ooh, um. You know, it's usually, I don't know exactly how many apply, but it's usually about its usually about 300-ish is what it usually seems to be. Sometimes it's more. Um, and then what finally got selected are, I think we're at 65 robots right now with a number on a waiting list in case there's dropouts, and then some feelers out there for a few other robots that we're still trying to um, hook up. So might at the end of the day, it might wind up being somewhere between 66 and 68 robots because that's the maximum we can fit
0: in that tent how many bots are international teams and from which countries
4: 11 robots from other countries cool uh and we have a few a few handful from the uk uh a few from brazil uh you know canada a few from the Uni- uh, um, eu of course, we have one coming from New Zealand.
0: Yes. and there may
4: be one coming from South Korea.
0: Got it. Uh, I I uh, I didn't hear Australia I I in that list, which, that which uh, worries that. me.
4: Yeah, no, Australia is not on that list. Um, mm. Unfortunately, people should know that it's still very very difficult to um, travel internationally. There's certain tiers of restrictions to getting into the United States or even getting out of other countries. And there are certain protocols to get out of your country and get back in New Zealand, for example, um, to get back into New Zealand after you visited the United States, you have to go to what's called an isolation room for two weeks. So when you get back, you have to go to an isolation room for two weeks, not see your family, uh, work you know, from on the internet, um, in this, I guess it's probably a hotel room or something like that. And then once you've been tested enough, you then can go back into normal life in, in New Zealand. So each country has their own uh, way of dealing with it. So we're, we're parsing through all of that now and our team is dealing with it. And there's also waivers you have to get to come into the country. And it's just a, so many hoops to jump in to jump through that it's it's a minor miracle we got this many international teams in. The hope, of course, is for future seasons we won't have this problem again, but we're still dealing with uh, COVID um, situations even now.
0: I have to ask about Brazil. I saw that Minotaur is raising money uh, on GoFundMe for for a new build, so I am hopeful that they are in. Does this mean that Black Dragon is in? Are there other Brazilian teams that are in? Uh, I can't say who's in yet because we're going to reveal
4: that to the people who, who sign up for that Facebook supporter uh, um, plan and but i think i think you can take a guess
0: (laughs) Mm, good well we're facebook supporters so uh so that's uh (laughs) well uh we'll we'll see it uh when everybody else does yeah Yeah. um okay good um alexander uh let's see we're about halfway through his questions is bounty hunters returning and if so which legends will have bounties placed on their heads
4: Ooh, good question so i have to i have to be a little cagey about this because we haven't obviously we're going to have the giant nut tournament as we always do in the show. Um, But we definitely want to do some extracurricular stuff that fills up more episodes for uh, what our TV partners are going to want. And we haven't figured it out yet. We got a ton of ideas. Aaron has been just coming up with cool idea after cool, after idea, after cool idea um, for how we could do that. Many of them involve bounties of course, but there's some other stuff too. Uh, So All I can say right now um, is there should be some extra cool stuff in this year's offering of BattleBots and maybe even next year's offering of BattleBots um, that we're coming up with now.
0: Nice. Is the Desperado Tournament returning?
4: That's one of those cool things that's on the table. (laughs) Um, And there may be a way to tweak the Desperado Tournament uh, and somehow form it, fit it into the bounty situation. I won't say any
0: more than that, but uh, that's one of the ideas we've, we've thought about. Uh, let's see, we're almost to the end here. Is Chris, Kenny, Farouk, Jenny, Pete, Derek, Lisa, Jason, Michael, John, and Dave returning to their respective roles from previous seasons? Uh, as it stands right now, uh, the answer is yes.
4: Um, Mike, uh, I think we'll just have the two refs this season, Dave and John. Uh, Mike is, 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 trans- transitioning into a retirement position. Um, but he may be there to offer backup
0: support for the other refs. Cool. Two more questions: Will there be a sorry, spinoff show that will show extra content, such as the judges explaining their decisions, the teams repairing their robots between fights, etc.?
4: This is something we've always wanted to do, and uh, like, it's, just, it's just something we got to figure out with our network partner to. To provide that, and ultimately, it's going to depend on you know the ratings increasing and warranting it to be a show that you know they would want to pay for. Um, or we take it upon ourselves to do it and we do it like on Twitch, but that kind of uh, shoulder content is something we've always wanted to do. It's definitely on the roadmap. Honestly, I don't know if we'll hit it in 2021, but it's definitely the kind of thing that could happen in 2022.
0: And final question from Alexander Archer before I turn it over to Chris. How does the selection committee determine the seeds for the championship?
4: Um, you know, strength of schedule and win-loss record. So obviously if you win a lot and you don't lose a lot, um, you're going to be seated high, but it depends on the quality of the win. So if you beat someone, if, you, if you've if won three times, but all of those fights were super easy, you know, cupcake kind of fights, you may not be seated as someone as high who only won once, but valiantly lost two, meaning they almost won. You know what I'm saying? So it depends on the quality of the fight, the quality of the win, and even the quality of the loss. We just take it all under consideration and go into a uh, a, a trailer and hash it all out at 3 o'clock in the morning and then come up with seeds. Very cool. On over to you, Chris. All right.
1: I'm going to continue this 400-question uh, this question uh fans <laughs> firing range okay. uh, and i'm gonna go uh to noel uh, viegas who has a four-part question can Ooh. you confirm any big names that are sitting out and which one of the big name bots are you saddest that are not going to be able to make it this year
4: i have to say death roll i mean it's obvious since i didn't mention australia that death roll won't be coming um you know it's just been so hard for those guys to travel and get out of the country because of right. covid um and we're just super saddened by that, uh, Aaron especially, because he's a native of Australia. Mm. And, and I we all really want to have see those guys back in the box at some point, yeah. hopefully 2022. So that's probably the biggest disappointment. Um, but the good news is a lot of the teams who couldn't make it uh, tw- at the 2020 shoot are able to come back now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm personally, uh, I'm, I'm very sad on uh, Death Roll. That's one of, my, one of my new favorite bots to watch.
4: Yeah. Um, uh,
1: uh, speaking of, of Death Roll, uh, are, are Rumbles coming back?
4: Rumbles are strange. You know, Rumbles we'll always have in our back pocket. Um, but the problem with them is they're so hard to um, logistically stage and get everyone to turn their transmitters on in an in orderly fashion and then, and then turn them off in an orderly fashion and get the robots in and out of the ring that it's the kind of thing you can't do until like the very end of the competition. And there's so many other things that we wind up doing with the giant nut and then the award ceremony and then possibly things like bounties and desperado tournaments and all these other cool ideas that we've come up with. Um, that honestly, a bounty is probably something we might not do. They're all—they're also hard to shoot. It's hard to keep track of of what's going on. I mean, when you're in the live audience, it is because you're one pair of eyes. But when you're trying to cut between nine cameras, it, it's very difficult to tell that story. Um, so we'll see. But at, at, the, at the right now, they sort of fallen—they um, fall into you know another a uh, lower level than the other kind of fights we like doing.
1: Mm. I love this next question. Um, what was the most pleasant surprise of the twenty twenty season? And like you went into the season, there there was so much that the world had changed, that the sport had to change. What was uh what was that the biggest surprise to you for for last
4: season? Uh, that we pulled it off. Honestly, I mean the 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 pressure was so great, and the the you know the lingering doom of COVID and getting tested every day and having like five to seven hundred people on set and no one getting sick and having to come up with airflow and write a 50 page document about COVID regulations. And, you know, TV hadn't figured this out yet. We were, we were one of the first productions to figure out how to do this. And now TV knows tv has been doing it for a year now, so they've got it down, but we were pioneers in that. And the fact that we did it, um, and it was successful and we had the best ratings yet and no one got sick was, was awesome.
1: All right. I'm going to move over to a question from Will Hahn and Will wants to know, uh, are there any teams that are coming back uh, this year that missed season five? Is, is there any triumphant returns that like we should be expecting?
4: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them. Um, one I'll tell you about, because I'm sure people have seen it already, is Duck will be back. So new Duck will be back. And it's quite an interesting redesign. Definitely check out Hal's social media to see what's going on there. But beyond Duck, there's quite a few teams that couldn't make it that will be back that will excite everyone. And people will be very happy.
1: Uh, This week in Robot Combat host, Kevin Woodrow has a two-part question. Uh, Will season six follow a similar format to season five with like three uh, fight card matches and a round of 32? Or are we going to hark back to 2019 for the four card matches and a round of 16?
4: Probably three and 32. I think we like that better because it gets more people into the tournament than the round of 16. One nuance we might do this season is, you know, we had the controversy with P1 and Hypershock.
0: So if
4: that, Happens to us again this season. It's highly likely we would do play-ins uh, if we have time to do them. So those lower seeds um, are won't cause as much controversy.
1: Mm. With so many international teams hailing from the UK and Europe trying to get into the uh, trying to get into BattleBots, is there any chance for a BattleBots international series?
4: Well, that's a very good question. Um, and you know, so since we we have this building now in Las Vegas. Uh, what we would like to do with it is keep it. And what I mean by that is lease it. And not just lease it for the time, you know, typically we rent it for a few months to do the production. But what if we leased it for a year or more and just left the BattleBox arena up in it? Uh, If we did that, guess what? We could, you know, BattleBots is seen in 154 countries around the world. And many of those countries want to do what's called a format deal, where they take the format that we do and they use their own hosts and their own robots, and they film a version of BattleBots in France. Right? Mm. The problem is they don't have a battle box, and a battle box costs millions of dollars and gets destroyed and costs you another million dollars to fix it. Um, but if we can lease a building in Vegas and keep the battle box up and even strengthen it because now we don't have to move it, then France, uh, China, Korea, whoever can come and film their versions of BattleBots in Las Vegas and just pretend it's France, Korea or whatever. Um, so that would be an interesting thing we could do. Um, if we lease a building in Las Vegas, we could do qualifying tournaments. So, you know, gone are the days where you have to apply via a video and a CAD drawing to BattleBots and have a selection committee pick your robot. Why not just come to Vegas and fight? And let's see how you do. And if you kick ass, um, even if you lose and you, and you fight valiantly, that might be enough to get you on the show. So there could be some cool qualifying uh, matches that could wind up on TV or could wind up on Discovery Plus or could wind up on Twitch. You never know. Yeah. Um, so that's something we're definitely looking at seriously is, is keeping this venue and keeping the box up permanently uh, and leveraging that to have a variety of shows and content and cool stuff going on in 2022.
1: That's fantastic, and you just answered Matthew Cahoy's uh, question: Do you see Las Vegas as a permanent home for the show?
4: Yeah, the answer is is most likely yes. I mean, obviously, there's deals you got to figure out, and there's costs you got to figure out. Um, we got to see if the audience likes it this year, and you know, this it's sort of a real a test run for um, season six as a test run. But if it's successful and everything goes well, we would love to keep the box there, and we would love to do more content there through. Um, through 2022 and beyond. I have a British fan, uh,
1: Johnny Cords who uh, has a question about the Las Vegas heat. It's currently sure. 30 degrees Celsius in Ugh. Leicester, England Leicester. and oh, Lice, Leicester. Thank you, right. Lindsay. She is she's is, a uh, world traveled <laughs> and and learned Leicester. Leicester. Leicester, England. And and he spells it Johnny. J- J- <laughs> Jesse, I'm glad... Uh, it's actually Yanni Kortz from uh, – yeah, okay. Uh, so uh, so it's really, really hot for him, and it's only 30 degrees uh, Celsius. Uh, but uh, he Googled it. He Googled uh, Las Vegas, and the temperature is 40 degrees Celsius. How are you going to stop the teams from fanning in the heat?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. So our team is out there right now, and it is crazy hot. So we uh, production is, is finding every way they can to mitigate that heat. So every indoor building – from the venue itself to the pit, to the battery charging tent, uh, we'll have air conditioning. So we're going to be pumping cool air through every enclosed building. Uh, and then the outdoor work areas where people have to weld and grind and whatnot are going to be shaded. Uh, we'll have swamp coolers, misters. We'll even pump AC, like, into the test boxes. Uh, we're going to have mod units so teams can duck out and get out of the heat. while If they're waiting for something, like, to weld, they can just duck out into a mod unit which will be AC and have cool water in there. Um, and then we've got to change our protocols. You know, we have a lot of people have being outside working on their bots. We're gonna have to let more people fix inside and we're gonna have to probably do our queue ups, not outside, but uh, inside where it's air conditioned. A um, lot of stuff to figure out, but we know how hot it is and we know the seriousness of it and we are adjusting accordingly.
1: I have another proposal to throw out there. You could go ahead and just, uh, you can take the bar off of deep six and replace it with a ceiling fan and just let it rip.
4: Yeah, we need like we need like 20 of those all around the all around the premises and you just <laughs> go to the deep six fans and you feel nice and cool.
1: I <laughs> I have a question from Jake Mercus who wants to know about safety protocols, uh speaking of deep, deep six, right? Um, mm-hmm. what protocols uh that were put in place for the 2020 season will continue to apply for the 2021 season? Are there any new rules being put out in place uh, for builder safety?
4: Well, safety protocols are always always a work in progress, and we're our new rule set just came out, and we're working on the uh, tournament rules and procedure document that should be updated probably by uh, next week or the week thereafter. We just started working on that a couple days ago, um, so always always safety is the is the first and foremost concern of ours. Um, but we, you know, so far we have knock on wood, we have a great track record for safety around the set. And I don't think we've ever had an issue, and, and we'll just keep going and, and keep improving as we need to. Um, in terms of rules for the actual sport, though, there are some new rules there that are kind of fun to talk about. Um, there was a certain fight with a certain lifter and a certain other bot that had re- really big wheels last season that <laughs> the Internet freaked out about. Um, <laughs> so we are, we've, were implementing a sort of a culinary to the no pinning rule. Uh, It's called no corralling and uh, basically you can't just use your robot as a blocking mechanism for the other robots. So we're working on the wording of that right now and and should release that shortly. Uh, We have a new judges criteria, which is really exciting. Um, It's the same point system. It's the same definitions, all that stuff, except the judges have a matrix they use to determine. What is a five to What is a five to zero? What is a four to one? What is a three to two or two to three when it comes to damage? And then what is a three zero? You know, or two whatever it is, a two one for the other two categories. So we we worked with actually Marco from um, uh, Minotaur. That's what they do in Brazil with their scoring system, and he suggested it to us. And we looked at it, and we've had multiple meetings over the break. To figure out our version of that, and it's actually posted online, online right now. You guys can go check out the new judges' criteria. Uh, it's on our website, and it has the matrix system. So the judges will be using that, and uh, Kate, Chris and Kenny may even be speaking to it in the new season.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. wow! That's that's a, that's a lot to digest. Yeah. All right, I have uh, I have a couple of parallel questions from uh, Adrian Sussino and my girlfriend doesn't like robots. Host Matt Hedger, uh, both of whom who ask, are there any applicants from previous seasons that were rejected that you wished you'd actually accepted afterwards, either due to success in other weight classes or just a change about the uh, your, your mindset on the design?
4: Um, hard to think of someone offhand. Um. Well, there's one, but, uh, there's one, I I won't mention the robot because I I, I just talked to that person and they said, don't mention that I'm coming yet. (laughs) But there, you know, like there's a lot of robots that struggle um, throughout the year in the, in the heavyweight classes, but they kick ass in the lighter weight classes and, you know, BattleBots really judges you on how you do in the heavyweight class, um, but you know, there's some builders who do so well in the lighter weight classes that we give them a second chance, mm. even though they had a, a, a bad freshman year. And there's a couple who we've let in under that criteria. So, so the tough. point is, is that we, we watch the, the lighter weight class events. We check out what's going on in the full community. And mm. if someone maybe didn't have a great year at BattleBots, heavyweight style, but it's fantastic on the lightweight sur- circuit, we do definitely take that into consideration.
1: I have two questions here from uh, Zach Marks, who continues to pry into that uh, selection criteria. Uh, What what do you look for when a team with a new robot design applies for BattleBots? And the second part of that question is, what can a new team do to maximize their chances on being selected?
4: Right. You know, I mean, ultimately what we want is something that when you see the bot and you you see the video and you read the application, you just get the essence that I want to see that thing fight. If you're not walking away after digesting all the materials they've sent to the application system saying, man, I want to see that robot fight, then you failed. Um, and, and what that entails is is mostly two things, some sort of originality. You know, we've all seen the rock, paper, scissors of our sport for so long now that we we know what it's going to do if it's a vertical spinner. We know what it's going to do if it's a grappler, but if it's a, if it's a grappler, combined with a vertical spinner or it's some new hybrid or it's doing two weapons or it's doing you know different combinations with different tweaks and different uh, new ideas and originality poured into it it makes you go huh i want i really want to see what that's going to do you know like a case in point is deep six it's it's it is a vertical spinner but it's the craziest vertical spinner with the most obnoxious bar around and so when we saw that we're like oh well geez we got to see what that's going to do everyone wonders what that's going to do So that's how a robot like that gets in. So it it could be scaling up. It could be doing hybrids. It could be doing something brand new. It could be adding a weird flamethrower. But adding some touch of originality or a new trick up your sleeve with a tried and true system is is definitely going to catch our eye and make us say, damn, I want to see that in the box. The other thing is it just looks so cool. If you can make your box not look like a boxy, um, squared-off, form-follows-function hunk of metal with no personality, um, that's not good. If you can do the opposite and make it imbued with with character, and I I don't mean googly eyes and fur. I mean it just has a brand. It has a character. Um, Like Tombstone, it has a character. When it enters the arena, like, oh, God, there it is. Um, You know, and and the flip side, like a death roll or a witch doctor, it's painted so nicely and has such a cool – aesthetic that you're like, damn, I love that robot. So aesthetics and design matter. We want to see cool-looking robots that just make you say, damn, I, that thing is so cool. Although I, I
1: would say that if Tombstone did have googly eyes and fur, it would be pretty terrifying.
4: Well, we've always suggested that to Ray, and he's, he shut <laughs> us down.
1: <laughs> I have a, a series of, uh, it looks like questions and suggestions from fan Codomaine. Uh, the first question is: If Discovery ever gave you the budget and/or resources to do so, would you ever consider opening up a few live events throughout the year, similar to what Norwalk Havoc does? Preferably open to anyone with a heavyweight. Now, I know we touched on that a little bit, like if you were to have some kind of permanent resource that we could bring people to. But like, you know, what, what would your what would your thoughts be on something like that?
4: Well, that's exactly right. So the whole point, and what we've always wanted to have, is a permanent place we could have the box so we don't have to keep tearing it down and bringing it back to our, our workshop and fixing it and then letting it sit there and get stored for a couple months and then you know, repeating the process all over again of setting it up. Just have a place. And then we can do all kinds of stuff. Um, and that is the hope and dream with the Vegas facility. And so the answer is yes. And the good news is, is with our particular deal uh, is we can just do that. It, it doesn't have to wind up on TV. It doesn't have to be a TV thing um we just have to make sure it pays for itself so hopefully that type of business model can work via just live ticket sales and not tv broadcasting budgets because um, these could be smaller more one-off ticket driven events to make it work um it's absolutely something we want to do and we want to take advantage of if we have a permanent facility mm. greg i'm going to hand you over to Lindsay, who's going to continue to berate you with fan
1: questions
3: okay. <laughs> berate is a strong word <laughs> Um, So Jesse Mollin asks, some teams have recently announced that they have had to pull out of 2021 due to the short deadlines, such as Cannibal. Uh, While it seems that the big teams have only been able to build in the preseason based on the expectation of getting in. So as BattleBots gains more certain popularity with Discovery and fans and the pool of applicant bots ever increases, does it make sense to move to a two year revolving door of acceptance Giving smaller teams closer to a year of preparation?
4: Uh, What makes more sense is to have a permanent facility at a location that everyone knows, um, such that we could just say we are definitely doing the August event in 2022 uh, and an August event in 2023. So that's the whole, that's another reason to have this permanent facility, is we can just say the event is happening. You have a year to get ready. Basically, you know to get ready. Um, certain people will know to get ready right after the last event concludes. And people who are applying for the next year, maybe they don't even have to apply. Maybe they know in February there's a qualifying tournament, and if they do well in that, they're in. So the apps. So so this deadline problem we've always been plagued with because we're at the mercy of of uh, of TV budgets and TV tv availability to say when we get the green light for a show could go away if we have a if we have a permanent facility and that's the goal and hope
3: yeah i mean i think that the more you know we talk about it and the more that comes out it so much seems like it would be solved by having that permanent location um and the more i hear the more excited i get so that's uh that's fantastic cool um so, Brian Mendocino has a question about the rules. I've seen it suggested that teams should have 15 seconds to return to their starting squares if the fight goes the full thir- uh, three minutes. This could help judges assess a winner in those really close fights. Has there been any thought into something like this?
4: Yes. So, in fact, there's well, not an exact wording like he just mentioned, but in the... Um... Judge's Guide, which everyone can go read, we highly suggest to the bot builders, we don't demand it, we don't want to demand it, um, but we highly suggest to the bot builders that at the conclusion of their fight, they drive back to their square and show off that not only their drive works, but their weapon works. So it's in the the Judge's Guide right now. Um, And we say that, hey, if you don't do this, the judges may think you're broken. Because if you were crab walking five minutes before... And at the end of the match, you don't move. They're going to assume something's broken. But if at that, at the end of that match, uh, you can you can drive controlled back to your square, they may ease up on penalties they were going to give you for crab walking. So we're highly suggesting bots do that. However, we're not demanding it.
3: That's uh, that's really interesting, and I'm uh, I'm interested to see how that goes. I think it's it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so Daniel Tuffin wants to know. Have you found the missing giant nut yet?
4: No. It's so, so depressing.
3: Oh it's, no. It,
4: the stunt nut I think is gone. Um, the good news is we're going to make a new one. Um, we've, we found a really, really great uh, machinist in Kentucky who uh, can help us um, create a new stunt nut. So it's, we will have one there in uh in August when we shoot in Vegas. And it'll and I'm gonna get a pelican case for it with foam cut out and it's never gonna get lost again. <laughs>
3: You're gonna have to put a padlock on that. <laughs> That's right. So uh, we have a question from an actual BattleBot. Sawblaze wants to know can we buy the Sawblaze and Whiplash hex bugs at Battlebots this year? With a yeah. hung out emoji. <laughs>
4: Well, yes. So uh, those toys, as far as I know from Hex Bugs, are coming out in August. Um, <gasps> and um, and we will have them for sale at the venue in Las Vegas. So wait, so I... Must... Out, of, out of my knowledge, I don't know what the official word from Hex Bugs is, but that that is what I have heard is going
3: to happen. I must have missed the announcement or been living under a rock or something because I did not know that Sawblaze and Whiplash were the next Hexbugs. And now I'm like,
4: I literally... There was a leak. Uh, Some toy blogger leaked it. And so the cat is out of the bag. Um, Wow. And, yeah. So, I mean, the official word needs to come from Hexbugs. But um, there was clear pictures on the internet of a Whiplash toy and and a Sawblaze toy. So... Unless someone faked that, um, <laughs> there should be some toys coming out pretty soon.
3: Wow, that is incredible. Oh, man, that's so exciting. Uh, okay, so Slammo slash Bombshell teammate Randy Farmer asks, will Vulcan Death Grip play at the Builders Party this season?
4: Yeah, we have a full set list uh, <laughs> ready to go. Trey's going to be the singer along with Pete. Uh, mark the bits on draw, on on keyboards and drums, me on guitar. And we, we need a bass player. So if anyone out there in the Black community plays bass, uh, we need you. Um, no, I mean, I would love to do that. That's something Trey and I have dreamt about. Um, and, you know, we're so busy with the production that we don't have time to practice. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't suck. I mean, if Folk Death Grip is going to play the Builders Party, we have, to, we have to kill it. We have to absolutely destroy and make the best show ever. So And to do that, you need to practice. We need to rehearse, like, two, two or three times a week. Um, which we just yeah, don't have but the time for. You got other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I you know, it's like it, I, I want to do that so badly. You don't even know. Um, and there's bands I've been seeing on like TikTok. These young, cool bands I think are so great that I want to have play the Builders Party. Um, I've been reaching out to a few. Um, so one day we're gonna have the mother of all Builders Parties, and it's gonna have some cool bands, up and coming bands from like you know the YouTube, TikTok, uh, Instagram space. And then, of course, Vulcan Death Grip um, headline.
3: I mean, every time we interview either you or Trey or Pete, this question always comes up from somebody. So when that day uh, does happen, there's going to be a lot of happy people.
1: <laughs>
3: That's right. Uh, so head BattleBots referee John Rimar wants to know, if you had to give up one, what would it be? Your hair, your guitars, your action figures, or your Legos?
4: Well, no way, Legos are going. No way, uh, guitars are going. No way. Uh, so it's between the hair and the action figures. I actually only have one action figure, and that's Mr. Spock, so he has to stay. And I don't have much hair left, so that can go. I don't care. It's hair.
3: <laughs> 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 that's uh, that's fantastic. So finally, we have a series of very philosophical questions from Battlebot Superfan Mary Catherine Carr. Um I'm there. Yeah, so the first is what is the most challenging hurdle that production has to make for the move to Vegas?
4: Um a couple things, dealing with the new space issues that we had such a luxury of in Long Beach. You know, so you know, you got to find the mother of all tents. You have to air condition everything. You have to you know, we have to build a ramp between the parking lot and the and the venue. So just the logistics of building a new set. Um, whereas we basically have this building that can encompass everything is a a tough transition. Um, We really want to hire as much Vegas crew as we can, not only for cost reasons, but if we do do this permanent facility, you know, those are the people to have permanently, people who live in Las Vegas. You can't have people commuting from Los Angeles or the Bay Area. Um, So finding the right fit and the right people who understand the culture and and how crazy the show is to produce – And the stress and the workloads um, has also been a challenge. So it's mostly been those production issues.
3: Uh, So on the flip side of that, what are you most looking forward to with the move to Vegas?
4: Um, The fact that we could keep it there permanently. I mean, I keep saying this, I'm sorry, but it's just really, if we can keep it there permanently, there's so many ways to transform the business into cooler stuff for the fans and for the bot building community. So that is absolutely what I'm looking forward to.
3: Uh, so her next question is: I've heard whispers of a game-changing new arena hazard. Can you comment Ooh. on that yet?
4: Ooh, I cannot. No, so, so Trey and his uh, arena team—they're um, always tweaking the arena to maximize safety, um, and they don't like to reveal anything until that the TV show actually comes out. So they would kill me if I said anything. So uh, no.
3: <laughs> yeah, we don't want that to happen. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are all teams now required to wear Vegas showgirl outfits? She says, "I think Ray would look amazing in one, and Al Kindle would really rock a glitter bikini as well."
4: Yeah, no, you you do. Um, it's a new rule. You can, guys can download it. It's in the design rules. It, the head <laughs> the part of it, the headdress part of it, has to have an active weapon though. So no wedges on the head. You have to have an actual movable active weapon on your headdress.
3: All right, that is very terrifying. <laughs> um i mean i I would like to see that for sure but uh stay very far away uh and so historically there's been a little more warning for upcoming filming will we get back to that once life goes back to normal or should we expect to have less notice from now on i imagine this also is going to change uh with the uh possibility of having a permanent location
4: yeah again that's the whole hope is it's permanent means you can get on schedule i mean if you go to ufc.com you could see when all the new upcoming fights are, but BattleBots were at the mercy of a green light uh, from the network and, and then scrambling to get everything going for production. Um, but as soon as you have a permanent facility, you can do what more like UFC does is announce things way in advance and give people a lot more warning. So we hope the opposite is true in years to come is that people will be more on a, on a schedule that people can rely on.
3: Cool. And so her final question is do you think a casino would accept a bet on behalf of a battle bot? And how likely do you think it is that the twenty twenty one champion will take their winnings straight to the strip?
4: Well what what the bot builders do with their winnings is their own business, but um it'll be I know quite a few of them who are love to play crap, so we'll see if they if they increase their winnings or lose their winnings. But this is really interesting. Someone called us the other day and said That Ultimate Frisbee sold their stats to some Vegas betting firm for a lot of money. I forget what it was, but it was a lot. It was like mind-blowingly a lot. And I've been keeping the stats for the bot builders, uh, wins, loss, knockouts, average time knockouts, judges' decisions, blah, 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 since the Comedy Central days. I got spreadsheets coming out the Yazoo. So if any. Vegas betting firms want to make us an offer like they did for Ultimate Frisbee. Um, just yeah, give me a call.
3: Wow, that would uh, that would add a whole new dimension.
4: <laughs> and I know Trey. I know Trey has some cool ideas up his sleeve about uh, game. You know, gaming, uh, which is what they call betting in Vegas. I think um, that don't involve you know um, cheating. You know, because the problem is what you get into with any sort of boxing or fighting is, you know, they can, people can uh, cheat. They can lose on purpose because they it bet, bet against themselves. You know, that happens in boxing all the time. And we do not want that to happen in our sport. We want to keep it pure and clean and the beautiful thing that it's always been. Um, so, but there's ways to fix that that Trey has kind of figured out, which is kind of genius. And maybe we'll turn that into something. We'll see.
3: Well, well, I mean, the more I hear, you know, just speaking, I'm sure on behalf of the entire uh, fan community. We are so excited to see what the new season has in store, all the changes that are going to come with, uh, this move to Vegas. It's only going to go up and up. We're all so excited. So thank you so, so much for talking with us and, you know, doing the impossible during these COVID times. Um, so yeah, we're just really looking forward to seeing you and the show in Las Vegas next month.
4: Thank you all. We look forward to seeing you guys too. And thanks for the support as always. We love you. And, um, and everyone should know tickets will go on sale to the general public this Friday. I don't know exactly what time it'll be. It basically, be when I get up in the morning and hit the switch on Eventbrite. Um, but uh, and just keep an eye on those COVID protocols because that's going to be a th- something that is ever changing, and we'll just alert people as as they do. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots
1: Around the World.
3: Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week we're traveling to Maryland, where researchers at the University of Maryland have built a soft robot capable of playing 1985's hit video game, Super Mario Brothers. Soft robots are defined as flexible or inflatable robots that move using air or water rather than electricity. This robot hand is unique because the research team was able to 3D print it fully assembled with integrated fluidic circuits in a single step. In case you're curious, this new robot is able to beat the first level of Super Mario Brothers in less than 90 seconds, so really it needs to work on its game a little bit clearly, but...
1: Uh... Yeah, but
2: can it use the Power Glove? You can't use the Power Glove on the original Super Mario, can you? Like, it doesn't integrate
0: well. All right, listen, I I uh, must have been running with the wrong crowd because we could not afford a Power Glove. I've only seen it, like, in pictures on the internet, even though all of my friends owned Nintendo Entertainment Systems. I mean,
1: I made mine with, you know, my my own, uh, like, an oven mitt, and I took apart a AM FM radio.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there was only one Power Glove in our neighborhood, and we all shared it, so...
1: You know, this is a very interesting story because people used to often refer to me as a soft robot that was capable of playing the 1985 hit at Marble
4: Madness.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'm going to get called out on that because I think Marble Madness might have been
2: 1986. Oof. Oof. Big inaccuracy there. You're going to have to fix that. I have have to to Google it.
3: We used to get called out all the time on our uh, inaccuracies in the episode. Uh, it hasn't happened in a while, so maybe we have just become infallible.
0: I think Marble that is Madness, the answer. Initial release date, 1984, Chris. Whoa.
2: Ooh.
0: Well, just like everything, I got it like
1: two years late. <laughs> yeah. Whether, whether it was uh,
2: the, the hottest video game or puberty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
2: So what are the other applications for this robotic hand aside
0: from playing Super Mario Brothers?
3: Speaking of puberty. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh all right, so I was reading about about soft robotics and uh apparently, you know, if you're going to to build robotic like uh prostheses, you know? Prost Wait, no, I'm not saying that correct. Uh, okay. Dear god, please cut this. <laughs> i was i was i was trying to 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 say prosthetics but no uh i guess it would just be prosthetics okay no sorry i'll say this one more time uh so the 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 big application for soft robotics is uh prosthetics because uh you know you want to have something that's soft you know kind of like a human hand and uh not something you know that's just filled with with electricity and metal, you know. Uh so when you go and grab a teacup or something, you know, you accidentally crush it. Uh mostly filled with water. That'd be that'd be great, you know?
1: I'm um, I'm really glad that you clarified, Luke, because three quarters of our listeners are in the in the medical engineering field.
2: <laughs> yes that's true all i'm saying is uh this problem was already solved in 1984 in the film terminator when they just took a robotic hand and covered it in real human flesh
0: nightmare fuel yeah yeah Good. i mean
1: that's true you also have to consider that that robot was from the future and was sent back to the 80s
2: true but man so I guess
1: we need to invent it soon <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, when when did Judgment Day happen, right? Like, aren't we already
0: past that? Yeah, it was like 2019 or something like that? Oh, my God. I think so. Terminator Judgment Day. Date. Uh-huh. Okay. Released in 1991. What is it? 2017? 20. Let's see. I think it's 2017. All right, I was off by two years as well. I'm going to join you there, Chris. You
1: find, find it weird that I can actually say, "Hey Alexa, when did when did Skynet become sentient?"
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's got a blaster. <laughs> That's about April back at your feet next Wednesday with another mystery guest. (laughs) Check out the
0: block (laughs) Havoc. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.